You guys, I feel like I say this all the time, but today's episode is one of my favorites. I had the raddest, coolest honor of getting to sit down with Matthew McConaughey. Yes, that Matthew McConaughey and talk about creating inside of anonymity and the power of mindset and the secret to happiness that he learned from Jay Leno. We talked about his family and the fact that he's been keeping a diary since he was younger and his new book. And it is just such a fantastic conversation. And I know you're going to love it as much as I do. So we're going to start the show, but I will just say, if you're enjoying this episode, please take a screenshot and tag me and Matthew McConaughey on social media so we can see what you thought. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. So I guess first, how you doing, man? Relatively speaking, pretty doggone well. Um, as I've said, we got uh, got a home we can hunker down in this quarantine. We've gotten my mother out of her retirement community. She's 88. She's been with us now for seven months. Got the three kids uh, back doing the virtual schooling remotely. Um, how are they doing with that? Pretty good. I mean, it was a little, it was new for the school and it was new for our kids, obviously. But, yeah. but there was, it had its little hiccups, um, technical hiccups. But now it's, it's, it, it seems to be rolling. And you know, I, 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 uh, I did notice how much they needed that. I did notice how much they yes. were missing some interaction, even if it was virtually. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and now just to have, to have, for them to have conversations again with classmates and kids their own age, even though we're quarantining a little heavier than, than, than most of our friends, that, that interaction and being able to see a friend on the other side to engage and figure something out, work on their homework together is really important to them. Yeah. So remind me, is the oldest in middle school? 12. Did he start middle school? 12 years old, so I guess he did just start sixth grade. It's hard to tell yeah. since it's online. But yes, he got him. Right. You got 10, and then you got seven years old. Okay. All right. I have 13, 12, 8, and 3. Oh, get down. Okay. Yeah. Watch out. So uh, 13, so... 12, and 8. Then you got a little four-year hiatus. Yes. So I have three boys that I gave birth to biologically, and then my daughter is adopted. Oh, you did? So the adoption process took a really long time. That's the three-year-old? Yes. Oh, okay. Bravo. Yeah. But I have the 12-year-old who started middle school, which was a huge transition to try and start middle school where he thought he was really going to be something. And he's doing it on Zoom. So that's been an interesting an interesting world for him. I've got a lot of friends that are very concerned. You know, oh my gosh, got some kids. The kids, it's so hard for them. I know it is, but I'm pretty sure they're going to be okay. Right, right. look back right. on this and go, 
we'll we'll remember that year it wasn't ideal but it's not it's different than you know other times in our history when we when when they wouldn't have been able to go to school where there was a plague a different kind of plague that was right. affecting uh, uh, everybody whether you want whether you that you couldn't even quarantine from you know um right or or depression or what have you the great depression you know what i mean so i think they're gonna be okay i know i know mine i don't know about yours but mine have doubled down on their little on their creative hobbies that they really would not have taken time to double down on if they were still engaged back physically in school absolutely i feel like i want to have my kids be as cool as your kids but i when you said they doubled down i was going to be like yes on fortnite on video games <laughs> oh, okay great because that's for sure what mine might have doubled down on you know football and baseball well ours have doubled down on some right of that now. on some of that too as you know it is you it, it's i mean those doggone screens can help when mom and dad got some work to do and that is real same time you got to kind of watch we're all, we try and watch we're all guys, holding on you know if, if that if, if when that starts to make oh go into paint or oh go play a game with mom mac their grandmother or oh let's sit around and have a conversation after dinner when that starts to be to them more fun than any of those more uh, the, those those more typical things that are not electronic that's when we're like well no wait a minute why do you want to do that so bad why do you want to go back to the, right. that screen time so bad that's always concerned right right you know? i'm reading an incredible book right now called irresistible that's all about um technology and how it's built to make us addicted so the whole book is sort of taking this deep dive into a view at addiction to different things and then how you know the phone or the screen or the tablet is built in a way to sort of give you that dopamine hit and i'm reading it as a mom like oh god this yeah. is terrifying social dilemma it's super terrifying watch that documentary. yes oh no i watched that that documentary will devastate oh you gosh right well, and even I feel like in the last year, especially sort of this, the divisiveness that we experience here in the U.S., you know, I grew up, I live in Austin too, super liberal, like this is what the community is. It feels like you're um, an interesting world where you're sort of seeing a really liberal perspective and then you're also seeing Texas yeah. show up. And that's, those are the kind of people I come from. I come from a very conservative family and, and place that I grew up in. And I grew up in a world where even if you sort of believed one thing, you could still be in conversation with people who believe differently than you. We're just like, oh, that's Uncle Joe. And Uncle Joe, you know, voted for that guy or whatever. Yeah. And now the world feels like if you do not think, believe, love, vote the same way that I do, you are evil. And that documentary was so telling of, oh, this is why. There's a reason why we've started to feel like this in our society, which is so devastating. Yeah. And even more than thinking, oh, if you don't think like me, you're evil. Oh, if you don't think like me, you are persona non grata. You don't exist. You are illegitimate. Right. You are obviously of a lower level of human being. You, you don't count. I mean, I hear right. arrogance too. And that arrogance right. is like, whoa, hang on a minute. Just, you know, it's it scary. And, um, you know, and in these times we're in right now, it's part of the reason I think it's going even further divided is that we are looking for identity. 
right now. Yeah. We're like lost. I'm unemployed. Wait a minute. What's the future? I don't know. Give me something to hang on to. Oh, there it is. I'm going to go grab a whole thing out. I don't know why I'm here, but I do feel a little bit better in the moment by going F you over there. You know? Right. (laughs) Right. You know? uh, Well, and I I mean, I think like, so I grew up um, a preacher's daughter. Um, So I grew up in a (laughs) Pentecostal church. I don't know if you know what that means. Um, But very hardcore sort of us versus them this is what we believe these are the lines that we stay inside of and i do think there is a safety net to that right so if i stay inside of these guardrails then i am safe and i am good and i and if you step outside of them then you become something other and it really is scary it's so scary as we look forward to you know, November or even 2021, like everyone's holding on so tightly to this idea of like, oh, we just got to make it out of 2020. And the problems that we have right now are not going away on December 31st. It's a symbolic date. Right. And symbolism can do things for our, it'll feel like a fresh start. It can kind of give us yeah. a little fuel back in our tank. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's not real. I mean, we're, we're, we're look, in the history of time, we're sort of we have we're, we're I think we're on the cusp of a twenty year rebuild. Absolutely. And if we can make it past November without a civil war, if we can sit right. and go, okay, now constructively, we got to build our way out of this time. And in doing that, can we build better people on the way? Right. You know what I mean? Right. The thing is, you never want it to get to the place where it's as as ugly and as harsh as so many parts of this year have been, but also it has to burn down sometimes. Parts of us have to burn down in order for things to emerge and come back. And I, I I really do live my life looking for how every experience is for me. So how is this happening for me and not to me? Mm -hmm. Which is easier in certain seasons than others. But I do think that the beauty in this year is that we were forced to slow down. Like you said, you know, your mom is living with you guys. And in what world would, what what do the kids call her? Momak. Momak. Like in what world would she be with you for eight months? Yeah. And, and it, you know, is that a gift that they have these memories now that they wouldn't have had? Not to say that like, Everything happens for a reason because I don't believe thing I don't believe everything happens for a reason. Some things are fucking awful. Yeah. And if you've walked through hard things, like truly traumatic things, then it it could be easy to sort of hear that and and be triggered by it. But I do think that even in the hardship of a year like this one, there are good there is goodness. That's- and there is a time where the kids will look back and they'll miss the pieces of this. You said everything. I'm, I agree with you. I don't believe everything happens for a reason, but you can find reason in everything yes. happening. I mean, it's all. Yes. And looking back, you can you can connect the dots and find, make the science out of all the mysteries they are going forward. What what's going to happen later today? I don't know, but by tonight, it'll all make perfect sense of how everything came together. I want right. you know. You bring up you know how is how is every moment for me and not happening to me. Let's. Let's unpack this because I'm I'm with you and and this is it's 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 got to be more than Hallmark card optimism 
Mm-hmm. You, you know, it, it's got it, it, and 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 I'm always having, I'm not always having, but I have defended myself along in places where someone goes, well, that's just like foolish optimism. I'm like, no, it's not. It's not. There's nothing foolish about it. And that's what I mean in the book when I say, when faced with the inevitable, get relative. We're in a time of right now, like a COVID principle. Well, how are we going to get relative? Well, looking at the assets of, oh, grandkids get to spend time with their with their grandmother. They used to see her once, twice a month. Now they see her every day. That's invaluable. Oh, we're cooking more together. Oh, I'm petting the dogs longer. Oh, I'm getting to know my kids better and what their interests are. And wait, that's not being foolishly optimistic. That is leaning into. Well, these are some assets in this and it doesn't here's the other thing i think we've got to remember is that doesn't it's like sense of humor that's not erasing the problem that's not erasing the crisis it's not denying right. that it's a red light year <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. um and so I, th- I think that's where i think i think sometimes we get confused and people and myself included go well, wait, if you're seeing the good side, if you're leaning into it, what's in it for you and trying to lean into that in every situation, which I agree is a good thing to do, well, then you're denying what it's not. And that's not the truth. Right. Denying the hardship. You're not denying that it's not ideal. You're just choosing Absolutely. to say, can't do anything about it. I'm in it. So I'm damn sure which right. way am I going to look? Well, and I think that human beings, we have this unique gift in that we can hold pain and joy simultaneously. We can laugh and cry. We can hold both of those emotions. And I think most people are taught to be one or the other, or even better yet, let's sort of shove down the negative emotions we don't want to feel and just pretend that everything is positive and happy and good. And I don't think that's what either one of us are saying. I'm curious though, because I know why I have this perspective. Why do you have this perspective? Like, did you grow up with this or is this learned behavior as you've gotten older? I'd say I definitely grew up and it was instilled in me. And then I have, you know, worked to cultivate it and seen it pay off and measured when it succeeded. And I've been exposed and realized when I didn't get what I wanted or did or was awkward or did fail in a situation about how it's because I maybe wasn't looking at it the right way like this or wasn't mm-hmm. looking for the way to lean into the situation or see when the situation was giving me something. Um, right. It was now it was instilled for sure. My mom was right. We were raised on you don't bitch about not having any shoes. Let me introduce you to the boy with no feet. You know what I mean? Right. Come into the breakfast table in a grumpy mood. You get your ass back in bed and you come in here till you're going to see the rose. They said the dust on the table. It was like, boom, you want to get relative. Let's just shake out. And, you know, we were reminded early on to be to, to not take the sun rising this morning for granted. That was mm-hmm. another gift. Yeah. You better damn well be thankful for it. So at a very base survival level, the fact that you wake up in the morning, we were we were ingrained that that is a gift. Don't act like that's you can take that for granted. So, right. But then, you know, you get affluent, things happen, you succeed. I got a nice house, got children, my pantry's full. Um, you know, how do I, uh, carry on from here with the right kind of gratitude? Um, you know, I write about in the book, be less impressed, more involved. I can't, you can't run around all day just going like, I'm just so happy. I got another day. I'm just so happy. I love my car. I love my relationship. Everything. If you, if you have a reverence, it's almost like, you know, I know people like that and you're like, well, wait a minute. Be a little bit more involved here. Have some discernment on your in your in your life about how things can improve. If you just think everything is just great and you're so lucky right. all the time, 
sometimes you're not really about anything. You're going to just, you know, right. and it's not a real spot to be. And I think it leans into what you were saying, that, that the pleasure and the pain, the, the laughter and the tears are, that they live together. Um, and that leads into discernment. I'm very happy uh, and privileged to be in a position I'm in, but I can't be satisfied. I choose yeah. not to be like, well, I've done it. I've made it. No, I haven't. No, I haven't. No, wait a minute. Let's keep cultivating here. Let's keep chasing the unachievable, <laughs> you know? Wait, okay. So we have to unpack this because this is a subject I am fascinated by. And every time I get the chance to speak to someone who has achieved really high levels of success, I want to dig into this selfishly. I just really want to know your answer. So I had, I'm sort of the story of someone who's an overnight success after working at it for 15 years. So doing these things, doing them in obscurity and, and happily, like writing books that nobody cared about. And I was just super, you know, geeked out to see my words in print. And then my sixth book out in the world goes crazy. Sells 5 million copies, but wild. And I experienced this moment that lasted about nine months where I was like, what do you do? What do you do when you've hit a level of success that surpasses your childhood dream, which was saying something, because I, I dream pretty big. Where do you go from here? Right. And also then how do you manage with people in your life? And I don't know if you get this as a man, as much as I might get this as a woman and a working mother of like, why can't, why can't that be enough? Like you, you already did the thing. You already wrote the book. You already built the company. What, when is enough enough? So please tell me all the things. It's never enough. <laughs> it's never enough. You can say that. <laughs> but I mean, to you wrote the book. It became very successful. Your sixth book. What's more fun? What, what what's in your nature to go? Ah, oh, I've landed. I did it. Right. right. Period. No. Yep. It's not a period. I'm guessing that this nine, that nine months raised new inspirations and new questions. Absolutely. And this question right. you're asking now, you wouldn't have been able to ask before, but it's you've taken it to the next affirmative level. What are you supposed to do? And then this, I've already surpassed my dreams. I come from this place. Now I wrote the book. I achieved it and then some. And wow, what to do? You're already, you're already playing, it, playing mm -hmm. it forward into the next chapter by even asking the question. So, right. In that way, that's what I mean by it's never enough. I don't mean it's never enough until you rule law. It's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about. I'm saying every time we find an answer or get to achieve something we want to achieve, it's not really the resting spot. It opens up new, brand new questions. I looked at my diaries for this book. What I was writing about at 15 is what I still write about at 50. It's what wakes me up at 2 a.m. I'm still interested in human interactions, relationships, culture, who I am in this world, what's it all about? I'm still asking those questions. I have more evolved answers that reopened more evolved questions, I hope, but I'm no, it, it's not like there's fewer questions. There's more, there's more opportunities and more avenues. And uh, so it, it's less, it's become less of a landing spot, less of a destination of ta-da, um, right. And you know how it is. Every time we go, ta-da, <laughs> you know, the uphill comes or curveball comes or we step in shit ourselves. Right. Just we go like, you know, I, I, one of the things I enjoyed about writing my book is in the diaries, I noticed that there were times and I knew I would see this. I said, you're going to see times where you were arrogant. 
Frick, McConaughey, you know, like you were know it all. And what was neat in the books, every time I did that, and I'd be like, oh, geez, listen to you. Very soon after that in my life, I would eat shit somewhere. I would fall, I would, I, something would happen in my life where I completely screwed up and my whole theory that I felt was on lockdown got blown up, um, which was so kind good. of great, you know, um, uh, to see in the story. I mean, no, I don't think it's ever enough. Does that change for you in terms of what, I'm using air quotes, but what success looks like? So are there moments where you're like, okay, the new level for me is something that's never been done in business. I'm going to you know, go in and I'm going to launch this liquor brand and I'm going to do this thing and that's exciting. Or is are there times where the success is just your own personal measure? So, hey, I'm going to go make this movie and maybe it's not going to be a huge box office opening, but I'm going to stretch myself as an actor yeah. and see what I'm capable of. Or is it always a measure of success to you and it doesn't matter what it looks like to the world? Right. I do give a damn about what other, other people think. I do, as we opened up this conversation, want my own expression to translate, to communicate. Um, I do go make uh, movies or tell stories on the screen in the hopes that people will go to that theater or turn me, turn on that show at night in their living room or their theater. Yes. Um, I'm not just now the experience I have making those, I have found this, that while I definitely want that to translate, want those things to be successful, want people to see those things. It's like this book. I hope people read it and translate while I want that. I know I am much better at the execution of doing my job, whether that's acting or writing or whatever. I'm much better at that when I'm my head down is in completely and I'm in complete, I'm only in completely in the process and don't give a damn about the result. Mm. Don't even think about it. I'm making, I'm not making it for you. I'm not making it for them. I don't care. This is not about anyone seeing it. My head is down in this experience. So when, when I sort of remove that result and the consideration I do want it to the result to be good and I want eyes on it. But when I'm in the work, if I can get rid of that and go, just put your head down, this may be the last movie you ever do. That's what I try to do. This is the, this is the last, this is it. Head down in the work. I've ended up getting better results, meaning the work has been better, which has led to maybe translating more to more people, more eyeballs on it when I was not worried about the result or not concerned with the result or not concerned with what anybody else thinks about it. Mm. I noticed that in the, in, the, in, the, in the writing of this book, the more personal I got, the more I went into the eye, how does this feel to me? The more it became obvious that it was more applicable to the we, the more it became obvious that it was more about human nature. And, and it, was, it was odd because the deeper I went into the eye, the more it exposed the, 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 the human existence of, the, of all of us, um, which was, I didn't expect that. Um, so I am, you know, I do want it to, to translate, but I think there's a honey hole in there in between those two, where you used the word selfish earlier, which I'm a big fan of that word. I'm a fan of redefining that word. Actually. I don't think we, none of us really do anything, take real action unless it's personal. So I think there is a place where we can do, I call it the egotistical utilitarian, where our choices what's best for us, which fill us up personally, selfishly, happen to be the most selfless choice. There's all, those two dance, selfless and selfish. And sometimes you do gotta fish for yourself and uh, that can be the most right. selfless thing you can do. But if we can find that spot, which is very hard, I think it's a spot where where you want is what you need and what you need is actually what you want. 
Yeah. In that spot right there is a little heaven on earth if we can get there. Yeah. And it's it's across it from time to time. But that's what I'm that's what I'm chasing. To me, in the description of I'm going to put my head down, I'm going to focus in on this work. Um, it sounds to me like this is such a trendy term right now, but staying present, sort of staying present in that moment in the work that you're doing. And I'm curious if that's something that you've always done, because I think I'm discovering this about myself with my own work is in running this company and being a mom and writing the books and doing all the things. um, The schedule is very intense and it has been intense for several years. And I keep lying to myself and saying, you just got to get through this thing. Just get through production, and then you're going to be good. Oh, just finish that book thing, and then, and then, and then. And I had this, like, epiphany recently where I was like, I spend my life telling myself to get through moments so I can get back to my life. My life is every moment. My life is the work. My life is this interview. My life is later having dinner with my girlfriends or being in pajamas, you know, drinking whiskey on the back patio. Like, that's my life. Every moment is your life. And I'm missing whole swaths of my life if I just keep saying, oh, just get to that day. Yes. Yeah. So, but how, but is this, did you always have this? Or I'm going to keep just asking that question. Did you learn this? Like, how have you, how have you gotten to this place where you're able to sort of center in? Well, I've had to work on it. I still do work on it. Yeah. And I still do. It's a constant yeah. daily work day. Again, I don't have any of this figured out. And a lot of the prescribes and approaches and wisdom <laughs> I share in the book, I, I, I'm up front about saying, hey, I'm not making straight A's and all these, <laughs> you know? Right. And so I'm in process with it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've worked on it. It's, it, it, I call it, it's also something, a tool, I've learned tools to do and be that thing that's called that trendy phrase, to be present. Well, there's tools that I'd rather, un- that I enjoy unpacking rather than just say, whoa, be zen, be present. Well, wait a minute, we need to be present. You got four kids, I got three kids. Right. I've got to, I've got to right. anticipate. I got to think about what's coming up in the future. I've got all these. Now, if I better understand, if I'm better prepared for the present moment, if I'm better understand, if I'm prepared, if I've done the work so I can play in the present moment, that's what I constantly try to do. And I do a lot of it, is I'm always working for breaking a sweat so I can then go be here and relax. This is play. Now we're playing. So right. prepare, do the work so you can do the play. Um, but also, so it's, it's, it's leading up on the approach, it's getting ready for something that's going into the, that's looking, when you're in the moment, that's in the past. And it's also understanding what the landscape is or where you wanna go. I'm very big on, hey, let's, let's write the headline before we write the story. Let's, 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 let's draw the movie poster now and then go make the movie, just to give us an idea of where we're going. Um, so I do look into the future. Where is it I wanna go? Let's be intentional about that. Now, if, I, if, I, if I'm prepared, if I've prepared in the past and I have an idea where I wanna go, now I'm able to be more present, but not unless right. I had handled stuff, my, not left crumbs and prepared in the past and have a real idea of what that poster is. What my, what, you know, my version that I write about in the book is like, let's think about what our eulogy is gonna be. And that will highly inform how we live the resume of our life. So I definitely right. do project forward, knowing that it's not gonna be the same poster, the same movie poster, at the end, after I make the movie, it's not going to be the same headline. It's not going to be the same eulogy exactly, but it was still a good North star to head towards. 
And in doing that in between the past and the, and, and the future is where I'm more able to be, find myself more able to be present. And then also not make, try not to make those demarcations. And I know what you're talking about. I do it all the time. Well, if I can just get Friday, then I can really go spend that great time with the kids. It's all, what do you mean? It's 24 seven. Is it Friday? Is it Tuesday? Is it Saturday? Is it, what is it? I mean, let's just, we're in it. So how do you just, I, I call it merge. Try to just not think of, not think of life in right angles. Not think of like, oh, if I can just make it to Friday at noon, then I can do, really get some sleep and do this. Yeah. It's like if a demarcation, yes. a right angle, it, 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 the transition can be tougher. If you think of it a little bit more like, I'm going to merge in. It's all a dance. I'm dancing through all of this. <laughs> it's not all these things in front of me that I'm stressing out about. If I just lay them down laterally in front of me instead of vertically up on my shoulders, I'll kind of handle them better than I would have if they were on my shoulders and I'll have more fun doing it and yeah. dance through this thing. Um, right. But I can't be present unless I've handled myself in the past and I've got a clear projection of my future. That's good. I'm curious, you talk about preparing so that you can sort of play or be present in this moment. Are there rituals that you have in your life or habits that you have in your life that you do no matter what, whether you're going into a movie, whether you're writing a book, whether like these are just the through line, it's the morning routine, it's the like, what are the things that you do to prepare for life? Yeah, well, before I get the day started, I'm gonna try to check in with myself before I'm checking in with the rest of the world. Uh, meaning it's hard sometimes you, know, you wake up your phone or something's there you see a bunch of messages have come in you kind of want to get them I mean shoot I did it this morning oh I wanted to get them right now before I really took time with myself to go <sighs> okay Wednesday good morning how are we doing how are we feeling look outside what have we got today let me kind of lay out the plan of what I got going on today check in with yourself before you check in with the world then I'll go around and the kids are already up before me. Uh, the rest of the family's up. I'll go around, check in on each one of them. Maybe they're doing their schoolwork. I'll check in with them, a hug and a kiss. Good, good, good feel of good with a hug with them. I'll check in on my mom. Then I'll go have my tea and then slowly saunter into my solitude or my office where I'm going to then have one-on-one -on -one interactions uh, with people. Um, that's how I like to start my day is make sure you check in. Now I've checked in with the family. I've seen all my kids. They've looked me in the eye. I've looked them in the eye. I gave them a kiss good morning. We felt each other through a hug. Um, I've that Now I know the tone. I know if it's been a stressful morning for them or stressful morning for Camilla with the kids or if everyone's just rolling and things are good. If it is a little stressful, I'll then go check with my wife about, okay, can I get anything I can do? <laughs> what do you mean? The yeah. work here. Can, I, can I get you right. anywhere right now? Uh, if so, I'll go help with that. Oh. You know, uh, yeah, so-and-so hadn't eaten. I need to eat. You know, okay, let me get, let me see that set up. Hey, Livingston, come on in here. Let's get some breakfast. Gump it up, 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 up. Just try to get everyone rolling. You know how it is. If you can get the day started on a good roll, yep. usually the rest of the yep. day is great, right? If you can just yeah, start we're it. good. Yeah. And, you know, one in a row. One in a row. And um, so I'll check in with the family, make sure that feels really good, and, uh, and have a little chat with uh, Camilla about the day, what she's got going, what I've got going, uh, reconfirming what we said last night before we, before we went to bed about, hey, what do you got tomorrow? Um, okay, I'll be here. She knows my schedule. Um, I know hers. Uh, then I come in here and now I'm not looking over my shoulder. Now I'm 100% with you because, again, I prepared earlier, right? I'm not mm -hmm. going, seen, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying, oh, I haven't seen Livingston and last night he had a cold. Right. Oh, we got worse or whatever. Right. 
You know, I'm not thinking about, oh, I need to, as soon as this is over, I got to go check on. No, I, I had that check in. So now I can hopefully be present and go do what I need to do, whatever that is. For instance, sitting there talking to you now, but I need that check in. Uh, through life, I, I've, I've had many places where I go seek solitude uh, mm. and go off on my own. Um, and I've found that to be really prudent uh, for, for me and necessary and, and, uh, and things that I needed to do in my life to recalibrate at times uh, where I needed to go away and let memory catch up with me. I needed to go away and let my head and heart start communicating a lot better, you know, open up that auto bond between how we think and how we feel. Um, sometimes that can be a little dirt road, a little dirt trail, and it needs some opening up, you know, it needs to become a thoroughfare. And I've needed to go off and do that. Um, and thankfully, have I've, you ever done a silent retreat? Yes. Well, I've, I've gone on where I usually go take my walkabouts is a backpack to a, a foreign country where I don't speak the language and they don't know my name. So wow. it's basically, I'm, 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 you know, either it was in Peru or Mali, Africa. It's, it's, it's basically charades for 22 days. <laughs> <laughs> and that's incredible. Frustrating about it, but then all of a sudden, after about 12 days, you would have a good whoop, yes, frogs. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of get it, and all of a sudden you're like, I'm not missing any language here, you know. Yeah, I got it. Um, I love that you use the word solitude. I was talking to someone recently and he said, there are two words that people use to describe being alone. Some people call it lonely and other people call it solitude. And I am also, I love, I love being by myself. I love my own thoughts. I love the quiet. I love journaling. I love, um, I love that peace and I know people for whom their worst nightmare would be to be alone with their thoughts yes and I understand that too because as much as I love my solitude I've learned to love it because it's not always fun I have had many times in my life where I was off of my own and could not stand the company did not like my thoughts, could not sleep, waking up in cold sweats, needing to wear a mouth guard because I'm gnawing my teeth with the, 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 the demons of the nightmares that had me, shaking the monkeys off my back. What? Guilt-ridden, shame. What'd you do this for? Sins of this and that. But if, I've learned that if you stick with it, don't pull a parachute. Don't pick up the phone and call your friends and get out of it. And Don't go turn on that TV. Stick with that. And if you can weather that storm, you do come out the other side and realize Okay. Well, since I'm stuck with the only person I can't get rid of, me, we better figure out how to get along here. So, what are we going to do, McConaughey? I'm going to forgive you for this, and I'm going to not put up with that anymore. So, let's shake hands on that. <laughs> Give yourself a break here, and then hold yourself to task here, and let's move on. And then all of a sudden, it's a wonderful time with ourselves. Um, but I've had to endure that uncomfortable time. Um, of not enjoying my company many times before I get to the place where I'm like, oh, yes, I'm with my best friend, me. Love hanging with you, buddy. Um, and, but it's taking work to get there sometimes. Have you kept diaries your entire life? 36 years I have. Wow. And do you, uh, like to me, I would think that that plays a big role in being able to be with your thoughts or sort of sift through those thoughts is because you're manifesting them on the page. 
Like, is that where that process started for you? Yeah, well, it started like I think most people start in a diary. It started, I went to a diary at 14 when I was confused or when, you know, Gretchen broke up with me and my heart was broken or, you know, or it was like, what's going on or why am I getting these pimples or whatever that. So it starts, I think like most people, you go to a diary to share secrets of some sort of pain you're in. And then I remember in my late 20s, um, I started having some success. I was at UT and my relate, I was having good relationships. School was going well. I had a job. I was keeping some cash in my pocket. Was, things were rolling. And I remember having a spell there where I didn't write my diaries as much. And I remember stopping going, hang on. You better go to your, keep going to your diaries when things are going well and write down what you're doing when you feel like you're succeeding. Because pretty sure you're going to get in a rut again. And it, it might be good to have something to look back on to go, right. hey, and of course, the new rut came, the new rut will come, and you look back, and I found that I was able to go back and go, oh, what was I doing when I was catching green lights in life? Well, what was I eating? Uh, how much sleep was I getting? Who was I hanging out with? Where was I going? How was I waking up in the morning? What was I looking at? What were my rituals? And I've, it's helped me a few times in my life to go back and read the diaries from those times to help me recalibrate and get back on track in times when I was had lost my frequency. It, it's helped me to find it again when I've gone back and dissect the successful and satisfactory times and not just the lost and failure times, which I think we're sort of have a, more of a habit to do is really to dissect failure instead of dissect success. Yeah. When you're when you're when you are journaling, when you're writing in a diary, what is that process for you? Like, is it every day I'm going to sit down for this amount of time and I'm going to put it down or no. walk us through it? It's, it's, it's stream of conscience. It's when it comes. It's if I have yeah. a question, it's it's it comes to me first and then I'm just doing it or I notice it or someone says something and then I'm like, oh, and I'll go, I'll go write it down or I'm walking around. I don't ever sit down and go, okay, record. Now I'm going to whistle. I'm going to make some music. No, I'll, I'll walk around music will come to me and I'll be whistling and all of a sudden I'll be like, oh, this is a good tune. So I'll keep whistling and walk over to my phone, walk over, press the voice recorder and never stop whistling because I don't want to press reset and then record that for a while. Or I'll get on a roll and start talking of a thought process and I'll keep talking and go over and record that and then transcribe it and write it down. Um, I've always got, you know, now it's so easy to write something down. It used to be beer coasters or napkins or my arm with a Sharpie. Now I write it down in my notes and I have to tell people all the time if we're out to dinner or hanging out and we're in the middle of conversation, I'm going, hey, I'm not writing anyone else. I'm actually writing myself right now. So, so I'm not being rude. <laughs> Hold on, that's a good I'll be right back with you. And you said something and then I'll go, I'll go, hey, would you would you read that? And if you said that, if that if I if I quoted you correctly, would you sign that? And then you sign that. And I go, look, I'm going to I'm going to use that, but I'll always footnote you. OK, is that cool? You agree? <laughs> then I do, you know. Did I, I might completely be making this up, but did you used to ha have notes? Like, do you have a collection of notes on like napkins and yeah. coasters I, and, okay. I feel like I read that in a magazine. You know, the big pack is Ziplocs. Yes. I have 30 of those full of notes, That's napkins incredible. and sippets and, 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 and beer coasters and such. Yeah. What's the best one? Do you know? Oh man. I mean, I've got a bunch of, I love bumper stickers. And, I, and I'm always coming up with one-liners for bumper stickers. I mean, I've heard so many good ones along along the way and seen some, lived through some, and stole some. Um, what's a good <laughs> one for, for, for today? Um, I'll tell you, this is always a great one. This was something that a friend of mine, my college roommate, it was spring break, he went back home to Alabama. And he was with his 
great-grandfather who was in, late, in his late 90s, I believe, and he called him Pat Paul. And he, he said, he was on the porch with him, and uh, he said, I asked, I asked Papa, I said, Papa, what's one thing you can, you know, best advice you can give me? And he said, I've had thousands of crises in my life. Most of them never happened. I thought that was, I've always carried that. I'm like, that's so great. So um, real. You know? And Most of the things you're afraid of never actually happen. Then we got to watch the false drama, you know, because a real crisis right. will come. COVID will come. You know what I mean? Right. The kid or children, our, one of our children may get sick. Someone may die. Right. So we got to watch right. the, 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 the heightened uh, sense of anxiety we can create over a false drama and kind of go, that's... Well, the, th the thing I keep thinking of this year, too, is that I feel like people are forgetting 2020 is not the last hard thing you will ever live through right and i feel like people have this i oh we just we just have to get to like we just need the cure or we just need the testing or we just, and we do my god of course we do but you are i feel like training yourself for how you react to something in 2025 so in 2025 something awful happens and you look back at this time and, and not to say that every, like nobody knew the answer, right. but there is, this is again, sort of the Pollyanna in me that's always kind of looking for how is this for me of like, okay, if you can keep standing up, right. I'm not asking you to like fly, I'm not asking you to kill it, but I'm just asking you to go again right. tomorrow. Right. If you can do that, even when it's hard, yeah. then in 2025, when that thing happens, you're untouchable. Uh, look, you're, you, you said a very good thing. Sometimes it's not like, you don't have to thrive all the time, but stay right. in the game. Yes. Resilience, endurance, just get up again. I mean, so much is about just that simple thing of just showing up. I'll tell you this, um, uh, Jay Leno, first, first talk show I ever did, 1995 maybe. I'm in the green room, I'm nervous about to go on Jay Leno. And he comes, he goes, you nervous? I go, yeah. He goes, let me tell you a secret. He goes, you can't, you, you can't go wrong if you just do this. I go, what? He goes, just want to be here. Like, ah, it was a great one. And you can take it Aww. into so many things in life, just wherever you are, just want to be here. That's so good. You know I mean? Just want to be here. I don't know if you got right. something else you want to, you know, you'd rather be doing right now or something that, than talking to me. But while you're talking to me, if you go like, well, no, I'm, I'm going to want to be here. You're going to be a lot, well, this is going to be a better conversation. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we can take that in so many parts of our life. So just showing up is so much of it. You can, I've out endured people. I've gotten what I wanted at times just because I outlasted people. I got up again. 100%. I showed yes. up again when they were like, "You, I was done. I give. Well, okay. And I didn't thrive. I just out endured the situation. I do. Right. I, I think this is a, a good practice for now. And we have to watch. I call it uh, um, uh, anticipation fatigue. And I, I, I truly believe it's like, for instance, if you go, if you have a running trail where you say you run five miles, that you run every day, mm -hmm. you know it, all right? But then you come over to my running trail and you run with me and you've never run it before. Which one's going to be more fatiguing? The one you run every day or the one or mine? The new one. The new one, mine, right? Because you're anticipating. Right. Wait, it feels like it's about five miles. Where's the finish line? Is it around the next corner? Is it over the next two? <laughs> Is there going to be a hill? You waste yeah. your time on this anticipation. But you run your five miles, you know the turns. You got it. Well, in this thing with COVID, when we're sitting here thinking, well, tomorrow it may be over. And we wake up and it's not. So tomorrow night we go, tomorrow it may be over. And we wake up in the morning and it's not. 
Well, tomorrow there might be a cure. No, it's not. Well, January 1, 2021, that's going to be the, and then it's not. Uh-uh. That's a lot of wasted energy. I think about 30% as far as I can tell. How about do the opposite? And this is not, you know, there's a, everyone's got a different level of this because there's only so much people can handle. But try to project that this, this is going to be around for 10 years. Yeah. Jump way forward, probably longer right. than it will be. Right. So when it is over, you're like, oh, that's it? Right. <laughs> oh, I was ready to carry on. I, could, I was going to handle this another eight years. It, it, yes. It, it, your survival mechanisms kick in. You do start conserving energy because you're you're like the tortoise in the hair. You're like going, I'm in this mm -hmm. for the long haul. I'm gaining some good calluses on my skin. My immune system right. is getting stronger. My, I'm getting more patient. I'm getting more present. I'm seeing that this is if I stay in the game, that is just getting ahead. You know, so what's that Pearl Jam line? You change by staying the same. Stay in the game and just move forward. You know, that that's a that's there's great assets in that. So freaking good. I love that idea. The anticipation piece is not something that I've thought of before because I think I'm an entrepreneur. I own a company of 30 employees and most of this year has been spent in anticipation of like, make sure everyone's okay. Uh, how's our cash flow? What's going on with the revenue? Like how much energy has been, have I been putting into trying to navigate a reality that I am not in control of? Right. I can only control my reaction to the world. I can't actually control the world. Yep. So I'm gonna unpack that one by myself later <laughs> in my journal. So thank you for that. <laughs> you know, I want to I want to talk about the book, but I'm just curious, what has it felt like? You know, you're the you're putting this book out, this collection of stories from your whole life. Mm -hmm. How has this process felt? Like you're now you're sort of navigating the other side of it. You wrote down the words and you're in this promotion piece. It it felt quite freeing. Um very honored to be able to to, to share it. Um I really did go lay down and put on the pages. Um, my original goal was this. Look, I know I'm coming in with a certain amount of celebrity that gives me a platform that some people are gonna buy the book because they're fans of mine or whatever. And I said, okay, well, that's nice. That gives you a good in, a good in, uh, get you a seat at the table, McConaughey. But I was like, boy, the, the, the on day four of writing, I remember writing this down, the words on these pages need to be worthy of being signed by anonymous, but at the same time, be a book that only you could have written, Matthew. And that was my North Star. Because I wasn't interested in saying, oh, I'm a celebrity. Let me tell you about my memoir, my life. And I did this film. And let me tell you about this lady. And let me tell you about this actor and this actress. It's not that book. It's, it's, it's not that book. I could, there are many great stories that, that were in there. Um, but I just felt like that some of that's nobody's business. Um, tried to share stories that were very personal, but could also be subjectively adapted. Uh, and adopted by anyone to apply in their own life or see a similar story in their life and question how they approached it, what worked, what didn't, when and where do we see a green light in any situation? And we've been talking about a lot of green lights in this red light situation of COVID that we're in. When and where that happens. Sometimes we see it in the moment. Sometimes we see it next week. Sometimes we see it next month, next, next year on our deathbed. Sometimes the green lights that are in the red lights in our life right now won't be realized in, until our great, 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 grandkids realize them. But eventually, all the reds and yellows will turn green. I do believe that. So now I wrote it, and now I'm sharing it. I talked to you, I think, I don't know if we were on or offline early, but I, I'm hoping that translates. That's my sort of my measure with any any work I've, I've done. This book is the truest, the most 
the truest permanent extension of me that I've ever put out. Um, and that's why when I say I'm honored with it, I'm honored to, 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 to share it. I'm honored to see how it translates personally for, for other people. I'm honored to see what made some, what made some people laugh. I'm honored to see what made some people cry. I'm honored to see what made some people improve, make a choice in life that they improved on. Um, I'm fine with hearing somebody go, but I didn't like it for this reason, or this story made me really uncomfortable. Uh, you know, and I, here's what, here's what I felt about that. Um, so now I'm, I'm sharing it. Um, and that is, I'm having a pretty good time doing that so far. I'm happy to say that. I did not know, but I'm happy to say that. So if listeners want to grab the book, and I'm sure that they do, where can they find it? So yeah, the, uh, the book comes out today. Bookstores everywhere. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and you narrate the Audible book. I also narrate the Audible book, absolutely. Yeah, which is super fun to perform. I'm really excited to dig in. And we have a really cool announcement. I'm really excited. You are one of the first guests on the new podcast, which we created specifically inside of the world that we're living in right now. We just wanted something joyful. Just wanted some joy. Just wanted something that people could listen to that was fun. So we are talking about five things that you love. Five things. Any category. And we're going to break each of them down. And I've got to be honest, I have no idea where this is going to go, but I'm excited. So that show will premiere on Wednesday, November 20th. And if you want to be one of the first to catch Matthew's episode, you can subscribe by clicking the link in the show notes of this episode. But I want to thank you so much, Matthew, for agreeing to do this. And I feel like you are such a... I don't know. I'm sure that you maybe know this about yourself, but I feel like you're such a unique character within the entertainment industry because you have such a different, at least from the outside, such a different perspective on the world. And maybe that's part of being removed and mm. you're in Texas and it never really sort of felt like you were, um, you know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. just feels like, and I mean this in the greatest way, and I hope that this comes off with the intention that it's meant, but you feel like the coolest hippie ever who just happens to be one of the biggest celebrities on earth. Oh, Does that, I don't know if that translates. I like that, that but translates. I, I feel, good, I feel like it's, I'm not the only person that wants to like dig into those stories. Even reading uh, the copy on the back of the book, I'm just like, oh my God, yeah, I wanna know all the things. So I appreciate you taking the time and talking about it. Absolutely. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is hosted by me, Rachel Hollis. Our show is produced by Chelsea Harfouche and edited by Andrew Weller with additional production support by Sterling Coates. Our executive producer is Cameron Berkman. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is a 3% chance production.